guys, welcome back to the third and final installation of the Science of Sci-Fi Films podcast series. Uh, today we shall be having a little bit of an interesting discussion just about our general perspectives as uh, film connoisseurs uh, for the sci-fi industry and going forwards into the next couple of decades here on the basis of what we've learned throughout uh, the analysis of sci-fi films and generally this exploration of this genre of movies. Um, we'll also be talking about maybe some economics aspects of it and um, how the many different factors that kind of contribute to the success and the quality of the movies that we see today and how they can then influence aspirations going forwards. Uh, last time, the focus was mainly that of, you know, um, diving deeper into some of those other, into some specific iconic films. Hopefully from this discussion, we'll be able to determine what the themes of the iconic films of the future shall prove to be. Once again, you're joined by me, Rugby DK, aspiring aerospace engineer and a film connoisseur of sci-fi, of uh, generally any film, but also specifically uh, sci-fi compositions. We have Nick Alpert, uh, another uh, prominent film connoisseur, uh, and Eli, another enthusiast for sci-fi films uh, and uh, general, a person interested in you know, science and technology as an industry. Um, so I think to you know start off this conversation here, one interesting thing that I found when I was uh, researching some of the sci-fi films was that of how over time you see you've seen a large shift towards uh, many films having a very huge budget in order to be produced and in order to have like the desired impact or portray a certain um, story beyond the confines of Earth, seeing as a majority are space related, um, and yet netting a type of money in terms of the box office that. You know, offered a very hefty margin, yes, but nothing comparable to what some of the older films, let's say in the early 2000s and early 2000s managed to get, even if they had much smaller budgets. I think a good example of an expensive film in that respect is that of The Martian, right? I looked into it, it's around $105 million just for its production uh, during, uh, you, you know, the 2015 time frame. Well, it netted around 150 to $200 million in the box office. Yes, obviously, that's a considerable sum of money. But if you then compare that to certain films of, uh, you know, uh, there's this film called The Moon that was created in like 2005, just, you know, very simple, close to $10 million budget. And yet it made over, you know, it made close to $100 million in terms of the box office returns. So there's very, like, there's actually a huge collection. I think Screen Rant is uh, the website I use here that provides some information in that respect. Uh, one example Another example beyond that is Upstream Color that was made in 2013 that was extremely successful but only cost $50,000 to create. And so I think that kind of indicates an interesting relationship between money and the success of these sci-fi films experience that it's not always directly proportional, even though in the current time frame we may perceive that's true if you want to make like these very um, interesting and lavish backgrounds or landscapes, or you want to have the CGI to kind of see how a technology operates, you want to create an entire environment, that yes, it's integral to kind of immerse readers, immerse individuals in that way, but is it a direct correlation to, to success? I don't necessarily think so. I think maybe that aspect is tangential, like that money part of it is really just, you know, to hook people in instead of necessarily allow for that film to like establish connections and portray good lessons or be very captivating um, in terms of the human experience. And so I think it's feasible, you know, to say that that it is it, like these types of older successful films where gained their reputation not because they had these very weird technological portrayals, but that they confined the human narrative to that one environment. And that is what allowed for the sci-fi film to be kind of appealing to people and for people to connect with it instead of needing uh, many different changes and, we, and you know, cool-looking technology for that effect to be accomplished. Um, just, you know, thought, because money is a big part of these things. And I just... 
found that very interesting because you'd think there'd be a direct success, but you see many outliers. Thoughts, Nick, Eli, in that respect? Um, yeah, I was thinking maybe just the older sci-fi movies maybe got more money overall because back then sci-fi movies hadn't, hadn't really been done before. So they were more fresh. Maybe more people wanted to go see them, see you know what these kind of movies were about, and that's what got more, more audiences and then in turn more money. I guess with the more modern movies, well, they're spending more money, I guess, not to say that sci-fi movies are being overdone, but there are a, currently a lot of them out, so you know, not as many people are going to see them. You kind of have to make it very unique. Less money. Yeah, the money allows. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that the field, like right now, is very saturated. Back at like, like in the eighties, seventies, like it wasn't as saturated, and at those times, those films could really, like the audience could really enjoy them for what they were as like one-off movies that no one really knew what they were going to be about and right now like over time films have like their budgets have continued to grow but i definitely feel like in every sci-fi movie like studios want to see like big big action scenes like big visuals and those usually cost extra kind of take away from like the personal connections we have with characters and even take away from like the accuracy of the science that the movie is trying to like portray in order to kind of get that scene that they want and I think that's actually a very interesting point, Eli, because it kind of shows how we as a demographic that's kind of receiving these types of films have changed our interests. Like when sci-fi films came out, because they were so new and so uh, you know uh, uh, so unique to that scene, people were more willing to sit through what would now be deemed as a potentially boring sci-fi film because they were just trying to understand how a, you know humans would deal with that type of exploration of science and what and they those debates still rage in their head about you know how would we react if this type of development occurred? How would uh, you like? I, what type of behavior you would display. With time, though, as though the movies increase in frequency, you saw that, you know, very common, and people began to get the understanding, so the focus went more into the superficial, the idea of seeing something that was continuously engaging instead of satiating some, you know, psychological desire that, you know, the audience wanted because that had already been done by just the amount of films that were created in a very similar way. So I think that definitely is one thing that could shape... Um, how expensive movies currently prove to be. Uh, Avengers, you know, as our theme here, proven to be a very good example. Because, yes, they ne- like these, these movies have, I think, Black Panther, Infinity War, and uh, even uh, Endgame made numerous records in terms of box office sales. But they were still decent, extremely expensive to create. Um, could that have ex- expense have been reduced? I think so. But then again, you also have to consider the type of group that this group, this thing is pandering for. Science is one part of it, but you also have a lot of that uh, you know, younger group who needs to be continuously uh, engaged in some way. And that's what that action enables. So that, I think, oh. is what really has influenced the money part of it. And I definitely want to agree, especially like, if you just look at an example. Like, it's not really a sci-fi movie, but like for the movie The Joker, if you want to compare it to Avengers... Avengers films have continued to get larger and larger, so they need more money to be produced. Then a movie like The Joker, which was like supposed to be a one-off movie, only cost around, I believe, like $60 million to produce, and it's still, like, uh, net them, like, almost, I think, $800 million, because it eventually became, like, a billion-dollar film. Yeah. And it just shows you how movies can still be grounded and not cost as much like Avengers movies have really become. It kind of shifted the market to every movie needing to go big exactly to, yeah. that's 
That's a very interesting point, yeah. How these bigger franchises will then dictate what sci-fi has to embody in order for any type of success. So you don't have more of that free creation anymore because every director has that pressure that they have. I didn't actually consider that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it really just an audience shift from what it was initially. Like you could say Star like even today you see that many of these Avengers things have interest in adults, right? Like even Star Wars, for example, or any of the major sci fi films that come to fruition. Yes, kids are interested in it, but only kids once they reach a certain age, right? Like The Martian, insanely good film and insanely engaging, but there are moments when he's literally it just acts as a documentary. So for a thirteen year old, for a twelve year old, that's not gonna be, I would say, as interesting as per se an Avengers movie. Right, where you have that constant fighting, you have um, you know some mission to be accomplished, some danger, uh, and, and those types of elements. So, understanding that audience and then tailoring the movie accordingly is obviously you know integral to any the success of any venture. Um, but I feel in terms of sci-fi, if we really want that rich scientific content, and then we also want that human experience, maybe we should account for that. Maybe we should go for these bigger, for the you know older audiences who would find that deeper richer substance more palatable instead of kind of making it objectively oriented towards kids and adults yeah i definitely agree that like some movies like the martian try to get like everyone involved in the movie not just like Mm. like, making a movie for kids or making a movie strictly for adults yeah like like i'm not saying it's a bad thing but the way like um franchises have been like people don't want to have to watch everything in order to enjoy a movie like watch a movie like the martian it's Mm, a movie that's that's true, too. Like, it's for everyone. It's one movie, and it has, like, points of when you're just watching him stranded on Mars, and then you go back, mm-hmm. and you watch them try to find out how to rescue him. It's not, like, action, action, action. It's, like, carefully uh, edited to let you like, kind of see the experiences that they're, they have. So. Mm-hmm. That's quite impactful, I feel. Um... And so, yeah, so the, the economics are obviously one part of it. Um, I think there's many different factors that contribute to it. I think politically and socially, we are approaching a point uh, where we have, you know, close to another space or technological race, especially as the commercialization, the commercialization of the space industry occurs within the U.S. and internationally. No longer are governments using it just for nationalistic purposes or for, you know, seeing seeming superior technologically, but it's becoming monetarily relevant, right? It's more of a tool of saying, well, look at all the myriad of industries we have compared to the threat that we can pose to another country. And then going forwards, that'll really shape the film as we see because as we've proven in the you know previous podcast here there's a big connection between what we fear as humans and what we think and the kind of the social beliefs about science and what directors will wish to portray in the message that they uh want to exhibit right and with the expansion i think what what, what we'll see is we'll get we're definitely going to see much many more space movies but my hope because of you know personal interest and because i think that's kind of where science is leaning is that we see things that are a little bit more relatable like the Martian, that no longer focus on these insanely distant planets and very far-fetched ambitions, but maybe something like establishing a colony on the moon or establishing a complete colony and existence on Mars, right? Like dealing with those consequences, the geopolitical part of it, um, the, the geopolitical conflicts and tensions that come to fruition. That, I feel, would be the most accurate display of society. And I also hope that, you know, these films manage to encapsulate that in the future, just so that we can learn from them in advance about how to navigate these problems when, and inevitably, in my opinion, they occur going into the future.
Yeah, I definitely agree that movies, like, not all movies, but some, like, when you watch movies, they kind of tell you what's, like, occurring in our society today and kind of reflect how we feel about things. And as we continue to reach out to space, like, I'm sure there are movies in, like, the 60s and 70s that only portrayed, like, space as going to the moon. And then as we continue to go out farther out, they kept expanding and expanding their reach. Mm. And as we start to kind of see how, you know, like, the, the fight over space occurs... Uh, you can kind of see how, like, how will movies progress to like reflect that change? Like, how will will they show it as a negative, or as a positive? Will they kind of actually show how it occurs with other countries around the world? Like, how far will they do they want to show how the world is changing to reflect the our kind of expansion into space? So that'll mm. be exciting to see. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I agree that it's important for movies today since they're such like a big form of media that like they reflect certain things that we want to be doing in society because since everyone is watching these movies, you know, people can start to watch them and then maybe become inspired to do certain things outside of the movies. Yeah. I also, you know, yeah, you. Like, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, even like when you watch Martian, it was a very good movie, but that those types of events had never really occurred yet. Like, even like when they did uh, made the movie Apollo Eleven, uh, not Apollo, Apollo Thirteen, right? Mm-hmm. At least Apollo Fourteen. Um, that kind of showed the experiences that happened before. Yeah. And kind of, is it Apollo Thirteen? I just want to make sure. It, yeah, it is Apollo Thirteen. It's a failed mission, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of showed. How like how science worked, how our exploration was still going, and I think going into the future, if we kind of see more movies like that, they could kind of get more people interested in this whole race that's going to be going on. And I feel like those types of movies can be like uh, really important when we look back for a time, like even fifty years in the future, when we see how like films will depict uh, our next experiences that happen in the next ten, twenty years. It'll be kind of really important to see how things are viewed throughout time. So. Mm-hmm. And I think not only is it the inspirational benefit, but it's also the idea of creating a curiosity, which is what these movies have been able to accomplish as far and should be continued to be able to do, uh, mainly in terms of what there exists to explore with science beyond just what, you know, what we can just, what like establishing a colony or, you know, um, showing human reaction. Because inspiration can be come in both ways i think it can be to model someone's behavior or what someone managed to accomplish or it could be by presenting a mystery that you are then you know internally motivated to resolve right and i think with science there's so many opportunities in that respect especially because of just how much we know compared to what we knew back then and the extent of development technologically that we've experienced right so to kind of create that social pressure through virtue of a film i feel would be a very good uh, use of the power and influence by directors. I think it's feasible through many different avenues. Additionally, beyond just space, I think what we are lacking in the sci-fi film industry is the movies more related to Earth, right? Like the that there's still a significant amount of science that we could learn about ourselves, about human like human nature and life, and then also what exists in the oceans, for example, or what exists in the core. Like we see fictitious films like Down to the Center of the Earth, or um, the one in which you have like the, all the creatures and like you know at the core. But I think a bio, a movie about biological uh, mutations in that aspect of science would also prove to be very interesting. Not something as extravagant as Godzilla or maybe Jurassic Park, but like just some film that 
it delves into that topic in a realistic way, similar to how the Martian explored the notion of space travel, right? Because that's another field that we want to develop in and that I think is lacking recently with, all, with just a focus on space. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, especially, what was the movie? Um, I think it was The Mob. Was it The Mob? Not The Mob. Uh, let me come back to it. I have to remember what the movie was, but we've really seen movies about the ocean where just like a giant animal or a giant creature yeah. comes up and like, what, destroys what the earth, right? Called? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the Meg. I think you're talking Meg. about the Megalodon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's based off like real creatures, but it's really not based in science. It just exactly. Find... Yeah. So I feel like if they do try to look more towards that, it would kind of really be beneficial because all we've seen are really uh. Yeah. movies about kind of creatures that come back and, and, and there's so much potential it's very untapped i feel like you could get like a lot of money out of it too like in terms of an industry right and then you also create that interest which is good because then you have objective scientific growth right instead of just in one direction yeah wow. yeah i just wanted to connect this back to the idea of inspiration that you were talking about earlier i think the idea of inspiration and human curiosity in mm -hmm. movies is important with especially sci-fi movies, because if you take something like Star Wars, which was seen as pretty inaccurate mm -hmm. when it came out in 1977, yeah. that doesn't mean that things in that movie can't be become a reality later with inspiration. For example, like laser weapons are developed yeah. for the U.S. military today. You have companies developing AI and highly functioning robots and people like Elon Musk are developing technologies to get humans to other planets. Mm -hmm. And these are all things that were first seen in science fiction movies like Star Wars. And that relates back to the idea of human curiosity because even when things are seen as inaccurate at first in movies, they're inspiring people to develop these new technologies that are then benefiting the world in ways that older generations could have never imagined when mm -hmm. they first saw them in the movie. Yeah. And while it's impossible to say that you know, the people behind these tech companies today were directly influenced by Star Wars. It's easy to see the connection yeah. that the first time these technologies were ever seen was in sci-fi movies, and now they're currently in development. And I think yeah. that connects also to what you were talking about with you wanting to see more movies, you know, about Earth. You know, if more sci-fi movies based on Earth and more technologies closely related to that are made, then maybe more technologies that can benefit the earth will be made in the future if those movies inspire human curiosity later on no, is that and, true? And even like talking to the mix like about inspiration inspiring people to develop like even like a movie like back to the future or no back to the future shoot, like when they tried to they had to create a world that they didn't know would happen in 2015 they kind of predicted how the world could turn out With like hoverboards and stuff right yeah, yeah hoverboard stuff. so they didn't they obviously didn't know what could happen and obviously most of that stuff did not but some stuff like holograms and like there were some things that did make sense that could happen and have actually occurred maybe even based on the inspiration from these movies and i definitely agree with you nick that it could be really important to see how people use this inspiration now for the future mm -hmm. and i think what even makes it even more impactful is that no longer sci-fi developing industry it's an established industry right so yeah. they with you know with that power they have a great responsibility but i think they have the potential that they have for us impact is also extremely large and earth i feel like the idea of a connection to uh, like earth beyond just space is that like 
I think it just reflects a good social perspective if we were to have that duality in movies. It's like we're not just focusing on trying to leave our environment or essentially what defines us, but we're also trying to focus on what, like learning more about ourselves and about our existence as a whole. All right, like space is more so dominion and conquering the unknown, while an Earth analysis would kind of display that idea of looking inwards, right? And seeing not only how we behave, but how what how these fa- this factor, this globe that we live on, has contributed to our development. So that I think would be very nice, and this you know it would just allow for it to come you know full circle, kind of see that entire image, um, and also then show that science is not all about uh, knowing more stuff and just looking booking you know beyond, but it's also about gaining a sense of confidence by learning about yourself and by knowing more about those origins, right? which I think is a positive image to have, especially as some, you know, there are some instances where you science is like refuted, right? Where people start to doubt these types of things. Flat Earth giving one example, or like even with the vaccination related issues that we see today where people are, are being dissuaded from it. Yes, it's, it stems from maybe distress or maybe some personal opinion, but the only way to eliminate that is to kind of show how really beneficial that science can be. And that's the role of these films and so something that they should strive to accomplish going forwards. So, any uh, any specific interest of you guys in terms of types of films you would want to see beyond your space or about arts? I guess maybe definitely looking into the ocean more and kind of looking at what we already have on our planet mm-hmm. and maybe even going back like a few decades and showing how like the world has really evolved over time and how we have evolved as humans and maybe some of that stuff i feel like we kind of look towards the future too much when we really should understand our past and how we really got here at this point mm-hmm. you guys appreciate like a time travel movie where that's like the new technology we have time machines or you think that would be you know a little too like, I mean, the problem with time travel machines is that the story is just, oh, I made a mistake in the past, uh, I made a mistake in the future, now I gotta go fix everything, right? But how about we have one instead that focuses more so on the science, like the process of reaching that, and then the questions that rises about how we exist if we can alter that past, right? Like, I think that's been missing. Like, Back to the Future, amazing film, hands down. But... Obviously, it's not meant to be a scientific film. It's meant to be more of, you know, that interesting story that they have going. I mean, it's like, there's some science component to it, but you also just mainly have the narratives of those characters. In today's industry, we want that technology. And time travel, I'm not going to say it's feasible, but definitely it's something that we can more readily conceptualize than back then, which is why I think, you know, maybe they didn't focus on it too much from a technological perspective because we just didn't have the knowledge to, you know, look into all those yep. details. And it'd be a lot of information yep. to fabricate. So I think that would be an interesting type of composition within the next couple of years. Uh, well, Robert, do you believe that time travel will be possible before the uh, next hundred years or so? I don't think time travel will be possible. I think one of the only universal constants is that of time. And if we manage to control that, then what's the difference between us and some random higher power? Right. I, well, I do not, I do not think it would ever, it's ever going to be possible. It's kind of a paradox, but there are many paradoxes in our world and the pursuit of them is what makes not only life interesting, but is what allows us to learn more about ourselves and these concepts in a more 
interesting way. And so that's why well, there should be an incentive, I feel. I think we should make a pact right now that if any of us ever find a way to control time travel, we should come back to this moment mm-hmm. and talk about it right now. So I think we should give ourselves 10 seconds. Alrighty. And let's just ready. Here we go. Let's give it 10 seconds. Oh, I guess I think they want to protect us from. Yeah, yeah, happening. yeah, yeah. So, no, no. I don't, I don't if, if they let us know that information, imagine who we could tell and what we could do with it. That wouldn't yeah, be good. Yeah, would, would stop us from creating what we might need in the future. So exactly, it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, guys, um, I think that was definitely a poignant discussion today. We kind of learned a little bit about our perceptions for uh, sci-fi going forward. And so to the audience members there, thank you once again for joining us on this exploration of sci-fi films. This was the third part of the Science of Sci-Fi Film podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it and the entire experience we definitely have, kind of learning about each other's viewpoints and uh, about just generally expanding our knowledge on this interesting topic of films. We hope that uh, one day film directors shall one hear this podcast and kind of take some of the perspectives we've shown into account to have that bigger, better social impact that we all covet. Um, so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, that'll be it for this podcast. Adios.